I'm Amber. And I'm Becca. From cranberries to cows and everything in between, this is Forward Farming. Hey guys. Welcome back to Forward Farming. Happy June Dairy Month. Woo! I can't believe it's already June 6th. Like, I know. Isn't that wild? It, I don't even know what happened to May. And then now we're like halfway through the year. What is this? Wild, man. It's wild. Ah, uh, yeah. How you been? How's your week? Good, good. I just got over a bloody nose. Porter shoved his finger up to my brain and hooked me a good one. <laughs> he was trying to get sure there were some test. chunks that came out. <laughs> So if I sound like slightly dumber tonight, I, I lost some actual brain matter from, from my child, but it's floor. fine. It's great. It is. Oh, that just that makes my it. eyes water thinking about it. Today was the day I was going to trim his fingernails too. So they're like tiny little razor blades. So it was just like a chink. <laughs> Start. Good. Good. Yeah. Yep. Kids, kids so are good. monsters. It's great. Everything's great. We go to the doctor this week. So that's fun. Ooh, um, is that for what is nine month? Yeah, whatever, whatever month. I think nine month or eight or nine month, whatever. But yeah, it's for that appointment. Oh, so shoot, I'm excited to see how froze. much he weighs. Did I? To a great start. Anyways, <laughs> hashtag plus this mess. Only frozen for like 20 seconds. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah, that's what the edit button's for. Um <laughs> But yeah, yeah, that's kind of what's going on in my neck of the woods. How are things with you? Good. We got first crop hay done. Um, it actually, God, I was really going to try not to say um this time. Sorry. We got first crop hay done. We weren't sure if we were going to be able to make it dry just because there's so many chances of rain in the forecast, mm-hmm. but it got sprinkled on one day, I think the day after Joey cut it, and then we had beautiful drying days the next few days so we got that bailed and hauled in and put away like right before we got more rain and then we got a pile of rain last night which was nice and it's just been humid all day but we had to take joe to the doctor today he had he had like fluid i don't know like random weird fluid in one of his ears last time we were at the doctor and she wanted to like check it in a couple months to see how it was doing or whatever so we went back today and I don't know the fluid's still there but she said it's like not infected at all so we just have to keep an eye on it like if he gets an earache we'll have to take him in right away yeah because if he ruptures an eardrum that 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 hurts that's yeah and like she she said just to try to like get him to chew gum or like suck on hard candies and stuff to keep it popping but he's been doing that uh I don't know We'll see how that goes. And then actually it worked out because I, Jackson had another ear infection. So (laughs) I had her check him today and she said it's like still infected, but he's only on like day four or five of antibiotics. So she said, based on that, it looks like it's getting better. (laughs) So yeah, if the antibiotics don't work this time, then he's probably gonna have to get tubes, but hopefully it works. We'll see. Oh, that sounds fun. Yeah, I'm kids sure our insurance loves us. I know. None of my kids have tubes yet, though. So, like, overall, we're doing pretty good in the health department, knock on wood. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll just keep counting our blessings. But that was my fun today. All three kids at the doctor, they were wild. <laughs> uh, uh, are you drinking yet? Because that sounds like a no early drinking day for me. No, I... Oh, do you, if you put your hand up, you raise your hand. Yeah. And you can like do a thumbs up too. I don't understand. That's weird. Okay. Um, no, I'm not. I, I'm not going to lie. I had a monster like an hour ago because I put away a bunch of laundry. I was on top of my stuff. So I was going to go before we, before we started, but then Jackson was crying and then you texted me that you were ready. So I was like, I had to go find Joey and yeah, here we are. I'm just full of energy. I don't need alcohol tonight. <laughs> Good. Cause you have a lot of questions. We are going to be talking all things dairy tonight. Um, and I think this is going to be really helpful for not only me, because I know, I know nothing about the dairy industry. If you haven't figured that out, I don't know anything about cows. 
Um, and for folks out there who are in the same boat as me and don't know anything and have a lot of questions, um, who better to ask than someone who is around dairy cows all day? And, what? And I know. That's I weird. Source, not Google. <laughs> yes. Weird. Yeah. So this, so this episode is for you guys. Um, if you're like me and don't understand anything from anything with cows. So I think kind of the first basic question, um, what's the difference between like a cow and a heifer? Like what, what does that mean? And like a bull and a steer, what, what are the differences? Sure. We'll start with the bull and the steer. A bull is intact. So he has balls. Um, So when he's born, he's a bull. Yes. And then if we like we, there's a few different ways to castrate steers. We cut them out. Um, so then when I cut a ball, like cut the balls out, then he's a steer. Okay. He's a neutered. He's a neutered. He's, yeah. Cow. He's neutered. He's neutered essentially. Neutered, yeah. Neutered he's steer. He's not a cow. He's not a, yeah. He's, he's just a steer then. There, okay. I mean, not all bulls get castrated. Obviously, you know, some um, like beef bulls, will be used for breeding and then others will go to like AI places where they'll collect their semen for artificial insemination. But yeah, a bull has balls, a steer does not. That's the easiest way to say it. So on a dairy farm, what do you do with, um, the steers? So it depends on the dairy farm. Um, on our farm, a lot of this, there's so many different ways to dairy farm. I think a lot of people don't understand that. And one of the biggest things that just mm, makes my gears grind is when activists are like, oh, they just kill the bulls at birth because they're not worth anything. That's not true. Like, that is not true. Um, So at our farm, we raise all of our bull calves. Uh, We raise them exactly like we do the heifers. They get the same um, high quality colostrum. They get the same vaccines. They get fed the same as the heifers. We raise them to about five, 600 pounds. And then we typically either sell them directly to another farmer who will raise them um, for beef or we'll sell them to the sale barn where another farmer is going to raise them for beef. So I think it's 15 to 18% of beef and like, like meat that you buy at the store comes from dairy cattle. So it's a pretty big percentage. Um, I mean, they're a little bit leaner than an Angus, but they make great steak they make great everything as long as they feed them right so um beef can either the bulls can either go into the beef industry um a small percentage of them go to veal which there's a few different types of veal um they can be like bob veal which is a very young calf um and then most veal is actually around like six months old they're five to six hundred pounds when they're um butchered which is it surprises a lot of people because you think of veal and you'd think of like a newborn baby calf but that's not actually true so those are two of the avenues and then the third avenue would be that they are going to be breeding bulls um so if they got really good genetics um they'll kind of stick around and they can either be like a cleanup bull or they can be a bull on a farm to breed the cows or they can go to a um, genetic company that does AI and they'll be like a stud there where they will just get their semen and then sell it. So. Well, that's a lot. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of options. <laughs> yeah. I would say so like now, the majority of them just go into the beef industry. They're like, they're raised as beef. Okay. Um, so now, now what about the ladies? The ladies. Um, okay. So you got heifer, which is a typically under two years old. They haven't had a calf yet. Um, yeah, <laughs> they haven't had a calf yet is essentially what it is. Uh, we would say like a calf is under a year old. That's how we kind of say that, but like, obviously it could be a heifer calf or a bull calf. Uh, and then a cow is a female that has given birth. Typically cows will give birth at two years. That's about the average age. Um, you can go a little bit younger than that. The Holstein breed typically goes a little bit younger. Um, it just all depends on the size of the animal, your, you know, your nutrition program and stuff like that. But typically they'll be two years old when they have the first calf. 
some people like we call see this is where it's going to get confusing so maybe we shouldn't even say it but when we have a heifer cabin like she has her first calf her first lactation we'll just we'll call her a heifer still but she's like a first calf heifer but that's just I don't know that's our way of saying that she's a two-year-old but she's still yeah she's still technically a cow but yeah so what do you do with them until they calf like what do you do until like what do they do they just chill do they just hang out yeah our our main goal for them is just to to grow big and strong and healthy so you know when they're first born they're in we we keep them in the huts at our farm and they're on milk for about the first six to eight weeks and then we wean them and then they go into like some group housing and they kind of just move around to different places when they are old enough to do well out on pasture they'll go out on pasture in the summertime um and then at six months of old age we they're out on pasture and we feed them like a tmr just to make sure that they're getting the right nutrients that they need and then TMR? tmr stands for total mixed ration so it's it's uh, basically like a giant salad for cows. We have a nutritionist that um, makes all of our diets up. There's, oh, there's probably like five or six rations at the farm, um, depending on the stage of lactation, then the age. So all of our heifers get um, one feed. And then when they're 13 months old, we start breeding them. And so then they're on another TMR. And um, then when they are like dry cows, They've got another TMR that's a little bit lower energy. And then um, in the close-up lot, it'll be like a transitional TMR. So when they're kind of gearing up to calve, you want them to start getting those extra nutrients and extra energy to prepare them for that and like prepare them for lactating again. Um, You know, it's kind of like humans, like our needs change as, you know, as you're growing a baby and stuff. And then Mm -hmm. um, after they calve in, they get another diet. And then there's a few in the uh, lactating cow barns of diets that they get. But back to my point, um, they just hang out until, until we start breeding them. Um, we don't really do too much with them. You know, they, we follow a pretty strict, uh, vaccine protocol on all of our cows and heifers and steers. So that's something we do to kind of work with them a little bit, but otherwise they're just kind of growing until it's time to breed them. You don't really see a return on heifers until, you know, most people don't even say you see a return on that first calf heifer because they're kind of paying back, you know, all the feed that you put into them to start producing milk. So mm-hmm. usually their second and or their, yeah, their second and third lactation, you'll start to see like a profit from them. So it's a labor of love to to get back from your, your animals. <laughs> so how long do the calves stay with their mom after they've been born? And I'm sure it differs, but like, what do you yeah, guys do? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously different farms have different setups. Some people keep them with them for a few days on our farm. I typically let them lick them off really well. If it's negative 20 degrees out, I take the calf right away because there's, there's no sense in letting her get frostbitten. No matter how good of a mom she is, like the calf could get frostbitten pretty easily. So otherwise when the, when the weather is nice, I like to let them in there for a few hours, let them lick them off, um, start to get up. But if they ever start to like suckle, try to find the teat and stuff, that's usually when I take them out. Not because I'm like a mean person, but one, the cow teats are not necessarily clean. I mean, their, their bedding is clean and stuff, but calves, you have to remember, don't have immunity when they're born. They have no immune system. So you really don't want them sucking on anything. That's not like super clean. Um, and then another reason is just not beef cows are like bred to be maternal. Dairy cows are not. I think, you know, it is technically our fault. Like it's been bred out of them almost because that's just, that's how it's been. Um, so some cows don't even lick their calf off. They literally have their calf and then they get up and go eat or something, you know, like they it's, yeah, you just have to keep an eye on them. But, um, so yeah, we, I try to let them lick them off for a few hours and then I take them out that way I can get in their colostrum. I can make sure they have their vaccines, get their iodine, um, iodine on their navel and just get them off to the best start. Um, a lot of times too, the pens that we keep the cows in, they're very clean for the cows but when those calves don't have any immune system, any little bug in there could get them sick. So it's best that we can get them out 
and we can get them into an individual pen with fresh, clean bedding, and then just get them off to the best start that we can. So uh, what is colostrum? Colostrum is the first milk that comes from the cow. So it is, it is thick. It is liquid gold, as we call it. Um, it's usually a little bit yellower in color because it's got so much fat in it and so um, many immunoglobulins in it. So we actually test all of our colostrum as well, just to make sure that it's the high quality that we want our calves to get. Um, we use a Brooks refractometer and any colostrum that is not up to our standards goes down the drain. We just, we don't give it to the calves because it's, it's so important for them to get that good quality colostrum. Then we also sell colostrum. Um, there, there's a company local to us and I know a lot of other companies do this too, but they buy our colostrum that's high quality that we just have excess of. And they make um, like powders and capsules and stuff for humans to take just because there's so many good benefits in classrooms. So that's kind of cool. It is. Um, okay. So how often are the cows bred? Like how, what, like what's their turnaround? <laughs> so we, we, okay. So a cow has a calf and then we won't start breeding her for at least 50 days. Um, and before that happens, she's checked by the vet more than once to make sure that she's cleaned up, for, you know, and she's healthy and she's able to be bred. And then from there, um, just as she comes into heat, we'll breed her. We do do some time breeding when they get like later into their lactation, just to help them out. And that would just be, um, I don't want to say like IVF. I don't know what that would be the equivalent of, but they, they get like a hormone shot, a couple hormone shots just to set them up to be, to be in heat. Um, and then that allows us to, if they aren't showing like good natural heat, that's, that allows us to, um, get them bred and not just be like wasting semen. So the, the ideal cow will have a calf every single year. Um, that doesn't always happen. I mean, we give them until they're 250 days in milk to get pregnant. So they've got like a 200 day window of getting pregnant. And then after that, we kind of reevaluate, you know, are, are they worth keeping around? What do we want to do with them? So. So they can. Okay. So another question was how long can cows be milked after having a calf? So they can go 200 days after having a calf and still be producing milk that whole time. They can go years. We've got a couple oh, really? of cows that are over 500 days. Yeah. The, mm. the, the reason I guess that you want them to calve every year is because typically after about a year, milk production, milk production will go down. Um, and so, you know, obviously you're a business and you want the most milk you can get. So that's a reasoning for calving every year, but we've got some cull cows. We're, we're not breeding them, but they're still milking well. So they still stay there for like 500 days and they're still giving like 90, hundred pounds of milk. So it totally depends on the cow and their genetics and everything, but they, I mean, yeah, they can milk for years. It's kind of like human, you know, you, you can keep nursing or breastfeeding for, I don't know, quite a while, you know, you might not make as much as you did in the beginning, but as long as you keep taking the milk out, your body's going to keep producing the milk. So a cull cow is just a cow that's not getting pregnant and having babies anymore, right? Yeah. A cull cow is, is going to be one that's sold. We're not breeding her anymore. Um, but she's still in the milking herd, you know, as long as she's producing enough milk. And then once she drops kind of below a certain threshold or we need like room in the barn or something, we'll bring her to the sale barn. Um, and then nine times out of 10, she'll enter the beef market and typically they'll just be turned into ground beef. Okay. Um, I think that was all of like the cow questions. So let's kind of switch over to, oh, okay. One more. Where's the best place for people that like aren't familiar with cows at all or aren't familiar with dairy? Like what's the best place or like, where would you recommend they start to learn about the process from? Well, that's a good one. I think, I think your 
best option is if you have a local farmer around you that would allow you to come out and ask questions. I, I mean, you can't really get any better than a local farmer in your community. If that's not an option, if you can find someone online that you, you know, can know and trust. I hate to say that though, because not everything's so different, you know, based on your area and stuff. So that it's a hard question, but otherwise there's, there's a ton of dairy, um, seminars and like research that, you know, the extensions put on stuff like that, that you could read, you know, that stuff that's done by someone in the industry, not someone with biased propaganda against the dairy industry, or, you know what I mean? Like someone that has firsthand experience, I think is the most important part of learning about something, but I would definitely try to find another farmer. I'm sure there's great books. At, I don't, I've no, I don't read many books, but I'm sure there are great books about it. <laughs> um, okay. Let's, let's kind of switch over into the milk side of things. I think this is already had a little bit more questions on. So right away, can you drink milk straight from the cow? Like, can you know how you like see farmers like milk. squirting milk into the, the kitten's mouth or whatever? Like, can you do that? Are you going to get sick from it? Is there a benefit to it? Like, are, what are the pros and this cons? This is, this is so controversial. Um, my personal opinion. Okay. Spit the facts. Get your, just get your pasteurized milk from the store. There, there's benefits, I suppose, but I don't think any of those benefits outweigh the risks of getting sick from it. You know, and some people obviously have gone their whole life drinking it and they haven't gotten sick and that's great. Good for you. But I, I personally don't recommend it. Um, I just, I don't know. It's not worth the risk to me. And it's, it's such a, what, what are the risks? Like what, what can happen? Um, if you listeria is like the biggest one, what's that? Um, I I don't know. A bacteria. It. Okay kind of like salmonella or something like that, you know? Okay. Something that's going to make you really, really, really sick. Like it can kill you. Oh, um, yeah. It's minor. Uh, and you know, and it doesn't matter how clean your farm is, Just, you know, it doesn't matter how healthy you are. It doesn't, and none of that matters. One little organism can get in there and then make you really sick. And pasteurization is going to take care of that. You're still going to get all the essential nutrients from it. You're still going to get all the benefits from milk but you don't have to worry about getting sick from it. So I, I don't know. A lot of people are very for it or very against it. You don't really find too many people in the middle. I am more of a, you do you, if you want to, you know, if you understand the risks and want to proceed with drinking it, go for it. But for me and my family, we, we don't choose to. So I think that kind of, I don't want to say that maybe that's the reason people might be afraid of dairy now. Um, I think they just don't understand the pasteurization process. I think maybe they think that that just means that they, that dairy farmers are like putting antibiotics in with the milk or that they give their cows antibiotics um, to prevent listeria um, in the milk or like other funky things. So um, do you want to clear that up? Are there antibiotics followed by this was, this is one question pus and or blood in your milk. Okay. I hate the word pus. It's disgusting. I know. <laughs> okay. No, no, there is not. Um, so when a cow gets sick, say she's got mastitis and we need to treat her with antibiotics we will treat her with antibiotics, but she gets bands on and all of her milk is dumped until those antibiotics are out of her system. So every drug has like a meat withhold and a milk withhold. The meat withhold is usually a lot longer, usually over 30 days. And then the milk withhold, it depends on the drug. It can be a few days. It can be a week. Hi weenie. Um, but so after a cow is treated, um, yeah, she's got bands on her. We wait for that milk withhold to, to be up. And then we test her milk. Um, we use a Delvo test. It's, I don't know, it's like a little incubator thing. And you just take a drop of her milk and then, um, you run it for a few hours in the tester and it'll either 
test positive or negative for antibiotics. It's pretty straightforward. So if she tests negative for antibiotics, we take the bands off. She can go back in the tank. If she tests positive, we keep the bands on and test her the next day. Sometimes it takes cows a few more days to clear the drugs out of their system. But no, we don't put antibiotics in milk. Um, when the milkman comes to pick up our milk every day, he takes another sample of milk to make sure that there's no antibiotics in the tanks. Um, if there are, the tank has to be dumped. If the tank, unfortunately, were to make it onto the milk truck and test positive for antibiotics, the entire milk truck has to be dumped. So then you, as the farmer, are responsible for that entire milk truck. So we don't mess around with that. You know, all of our fresh cows, the drugs, when they calve should be out of their system. We still test them because there's no chance, you know, we don't want to chance it. Um, and then all of our treaty cows, if we have them are all tested. So there's no antibiotics in milk. Um, the, the blood and pus comes from the somatic cell count. Um, and I don't know why people are going to call it that. Oh, pus. But <laughs> Sounds so dirty. Um, so the somatic cell count is like the white blood cells that are in the milk. So like, you know, an infection, if, if there were any in the milk, um, the, I think the national, um, cutoff, if you want, I don't know what you'd call it, cutoff or something, whatever is 400,000, um, somatic cell count. So if your count is over 400,000, I know it might be 750. I really, I, this is, yeah, this is going well. I think it's might be 750,000 is like the cutoff where they, you can't have, you can't be above that. Um, but most mill companies are under 400,000 and a lot of it comes down to like just cleanliness, genetics, uh, keeping your cows healthy, keeping them stress-free, stress-free, things like that. So personally on our farm, we're usually under 200,000. Um, and it, I don't know, like there's no pus or blood in your milk. If a cow ever gets bloody, um, typically sometimes they can get bloody if they have mastitis. Sometimes they can get bloody quarters if, um, like they fall or someone bumps it and they just get bloody for a couple of days. And if that ever happens, we put the, we put bands on them and they get dumped until their milk is not bloody anymore. I am 99% sure someone can correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I do believe that um, when they test the milk, not only are they testing for the somatic cell count, but I'm, I think they test for like blood levels or maybe that's part of the somatic cell count. I'm not really sure, but it is tested. Like if it's too high, it's going to get dumped. So. Mm -hmm. so your milk is safe no matter. Yeah. Your milk is no safe. There's no antibiotics in it. Um, it. It doesn't matter if it's organic or conventional. It's the same same either way. There's no antibiotics in it. Cool. Um, I should have put these in like some sort of order. <laughs> How, okay. So if you are just starting out with like a small little herd, I was going to say gaggle, but no, I'm, I'm smarter <laughs> than that. When you're starting out with like a dairy herd, how do you go about selling your milk? Like, how do you go about finding someone to buy your milk? Good luck. Um, <laughs> um, okay. so there, there's, there's a milk surplus. Um, there has been for a while. So if you want to start your own dairy herd, I think before you even go about doing that, you have to find a milk market first, because if you can't find anyone, take your milk. What's the point? Honestly. Um, so that like you, I, I guess I have never personally had to find a milk market. Um, but you would just reach out and you would try to find a company to take your milk, or you would find, you know, a neighbor that's retiring and see if maybe you can get his milk. Um, some places are going to quotas now, so you can only have a certain amount of milk every day. And if you go over that, they're not going to pay you for it, or it'll be like a deducted rate. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's just, finding the milk market is going to be hard. I think you just have to ask around and hope that someone says yes. Fun. Wait, let's, let's hop on that. Great news. Quick. <laughs> um, what's the difference between like milk percentages? So if I'm buying, like, what's the difference between like, um, 1% versus 2% or skim versus whole, like, what does that mean to like the average buyer? 
Yeah, so a lot of people think that whole milk is like 100% fat, um, but it's actually, I think like the threshold of it is 3.25% fat. So there's really not that much of a difference. Uh, your 2% is 2% fat, 1%, 1% fat. Skim milk, I honestly don't know the percentage of that, but it's obviously very, very, very low fat milk, or maybe I'm sure maybe there's a little bit unless I take all of it off. I'm a really good dairy farmer. I don't drink skim milk. Um, but yeah, whole milk, whole milk is just, it's 3.25 ish or under 3.5 or something like that. So it's, it's really not that high a fat. And a lot of studies have shown lately how beneficial it is to have full fat milk in your diet and like full fat yogurts and other things like that. So that's kind of neat because, um, I, I think it tastes the best. It's got, you know, it's, it's just full of great stuff. So do you know how, like in the, in like the processing process, like what, how they make the different percents, like what, how do they, how do they do that? Do you know what I mean? Like, how do they, I do is that above your pay grade? That's way above my pay grade. I, I would assume they just skim the fat off of it, but so, okay. So like it leaves, it leaves the cow, it goes into a tank. The milkman comes and picks it up. They take it to like the milk plant, right? And then yeah. it's like stored in a bigger tank. Uh-huh. And then they just kind of like the fat rises to the top. Is that how it works? And then they just kind of like skim it off. I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't know anything about maybe you need I to really, find like a I really person. don't know. You know, Joey even works at Prairie Farms. I should ask him if he knows. He probably does. Wow. Yeah. Let's get, let's get Joey on here one of these would- days. That would make the most sense. I'm gonna have to look this up because now I feel like a dummy. In my defense, our milk goes to make cheese. So oh, okay. And I don't do, but and we already know the entire cheese process. If you haven't listened to the episode with Tessa <laughs> yet, oh um, I thought I, you were gonna say when we tried to explain it, I was like, I don't think anyone learned. <laughs> no, no. If you want to learn about like the cheese making process, was she I think she was in season one. Um yeah, we I talked so. to, to to Tessa from Ludwig. Creamery. Um, creamery. Thank you. I couldn't think of the word. I was thinking, I was going to say cheesery, but that's not right. Okay. Um, so w- with raw milk, let's, let's hop back on that train. Cause I skipped over it. Does it need to be refrigerated? And if not, what is like the shelf life before it spoils? Do you know? Um, <laughs> no, but I can say Yes, it needs to be refrigerated. Um, I think I'm just thinking of colostrum here, and I assume it'd kind of be the same. But when we get colostrum from a cow, we try to cool it down as fast as possible because the amount of bacteria will double in it every 20 minutes. I assume that would be the same with raw milk. Like when milk comes out of a cow, before it goes into our bulk tank, it goes through a plate cooler. So it comes out of the cow you know, 100, 101 degrees and it goes into a plate cooler where it gets cooled down to, I don't know, like 40 or 50 degrees before it goes in the bulk tank. And that immediately is cooling it down to 37 degrees. So you don't want, you know, you don't want milk to just sit around and be warm. Yeah. No, that's, that sounds like bacteria central. What, uh, okay, so like when I'm grabbing a glass of milk out of the fridge, my milk is white. Does it come out of the cow that white? Yes, yes, it does. It is not dyed. It wow. is bleached. It is not. Um, and I love, love when I like post. Well, I think I posted a reel not too long ago um, of milk coming out of said cow. And people think you're lying about it. Like, what? <laughs> Okay. So I could, I don't, I don't want to fall into this, but I like, I could see because people get like yellow cheese. So they're thinking like, Oh, maybe it's like a yellowish color or see, and cheese is dyed. Yeah. Cheese is white and it's dyed to be whatever color, but yeah, milk is, it's very white coming out colostrum and, um, like Jersey milk, higher fat, higher protein milk can have a little bit of a more yellow creamy color to it, but essentially milk is white. Good. Uh, okay. 
couple more questions. You're almost out of the hot seat here. Whew. These are these are topics I know not. I don't know what this means. Uh, so I'm I'm hoping you do. <laughs> Abbreviations. Oh Lord. <laughs> they mean nothing to me. Uh, RBST. What is oh. that? RBS. <laughs> Something good, obviously. Uh, okay, it is a um, bovine growth hormone. The RBST. It's like it's a synthetic hormone. So okay. cows naturally have this hormone in them. Um, and you won't find any fluid milk with RBST in it anymore because of consumer demand. Um, which is cool. Yeah. I mean that uh, like you're in, like the industry is changing based off of consumers. Based on the consumer. Yes. I think that's important. Um, the downside of it. So the, the reason people gave it, um, it essentially increased appetite for the cows and if they eat more, they're going to produce more milk. Um, we personally, we used it very scarcely on our farm. Um, and we used it more as a tool to help cows that like needed to increase their appetite. So like sometimes we would have a fresh cow that just wasn't feeling great. Um, or one that like had a DA or ketosis or something. And we wanted to get her eating. We wanted to get that appetite back. Um, so that's kind of how we used it. So that's a bummer that we can't use it anymore. A lot of, I, I think there are a few companies that allow it yet to be used. Um, but none that go into fluid milk, like it'll be in other dairy products. But the important thing to remember is that there's no health risk of using it. There's no human health risk of using it. And actually this is kind of interesting. I saw this the other day. Um, RBST was banned in Canada before it's not banned in the U S but most companies won't take it. So, yep. Yep. You know, whatever, but it was banned in Canada, not because there was health risks for human, but because there was health risks for the animals. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, mm -hmm. I need to look more into like what the risks were, but I know, um, one of the reasons we didn't use it is because we knew that it could decrease, um, reproduction rates and, um, you know, you don't always, you're better off changing your genetics and getting better genetics to get more milk rather than, you know, trying to push your cows too hard in mm -hmm. my personal opinion. But yeah, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, it was a naturally occurring hormone and people were just adding extra to, to get some benefits from it, but you won't really find it anymore. Our milk plant, um, actually dropped a farm once because they found an empty syringe on their farm. Like they have a zero tolerance policy for it. So wow. yeah, yeah, it's, it's been gone for God, probably four or five years now. Um, but a lot of countries still use it and it was funny too. I, I was looking it up and, um, there's like over 50 some countries that still allow it. And then a few of the countries that don't allow it still accept imported milk with it, which is interesting, but um, hmm. yeah, no human risk, but consumers didn't want it in their milk. So we listened. Good. Cool. Uh, A1 versus A2 milk. What does that mean? I'm not <laughs> different. I'm not super, super familiar with it, but it is the, the type of the milk protein that's in the milk. Um, so most milk is a one milk. Um, and it's like a one, a one, they have two, two things to it. So it can be a one, a one, a one, a two and a two, a two. Very confusing. Um, but basically a two milk is said to be an easier, um, digestible protein. So sometimes when people are, um, not lactose intolerant, lactose intolerant would be a different thing, but when they're, um, allergic or intolerant to the milk protein in the milk, sometimes they can tolerate A2 milk. So is this going to be like your lactate type milk? Nope. Lactate or will be lactose free. It, Same with Fairlife like, is lactose free. Fairlife. Yep. That's lactose free. If you are looking for A2 milk, it's specifically like it's called A2. Mm. Uh, I'm sure more brands will come out with it. The, the Jersey or not Jersey, uh, the Guernsey breed is, I don't know. I don't know why, but they, they have a lot of A2, A2 cows. So it's, it's like a niche market 
you know, if a lot of people are testing for it now, some people can get a premium on A2 milk, um, depending on what processor you send to, if they, you know, have the ability to just do A2A milk. Um, and then the Holstein breed is kind of picking up on it too. Like a lot of bulls are advertised now as A2, A2 bulls oh, cool. to kind of start using, but that is really cool because if, you know, if we can get more people to drink milk and to like be easier on their stomach and stuff with A2 milk. And if we can slowly do that with genetics, uh, I think that's pretty neat. Mm-hmm. So that's a good segue for our last question. Um, talking about technology advances since you started, cause you've been, um, with the dairy industry for how long now? Um, I mean, since I was nine, but I guess full-time since I was out of college. So, oh gosh, tw- uh, uh, 11 years I graduated college. Oh, I'm old. So, <laughs> so <laughs> how have you seen technology advance in just like the last 10 years? Oh my gosh. There's, there's so many cool things. Um, you know, robotics, I think is probably the biggest thing someday I'll win the lottery and I'll have a robot at my farm and I'll bring my cows home to milk them. Um, <laughs> but the, the use of robotic milkers is, is pretty cool. And, you know, a lot of people can't afford it or it's not, you know, feasible for their operation, but for those that do, I mean, it's awesome. It can give you so much feedback, you know, collars for cows, they can monitor, uh, rumination, their activity levels, you know, how they're feeling if they're in heat, their temperatures, like you can monitor so many things with just a little collar or they've got ear sensors. Um, there's just a lot of really cool things. We don't utilize those things on our farm. Um, I guess we, we talked about it before, but we haven't really seen the need to do it. Like we've got a a sound herd, um, not a lot of issues. So we just, we've never felt the need to use any of those things, but the fact that the technology is there you know, they've got automatic um, feed pusher uppers. So when cows are fed, they've got like a TMR typically, and they have pusher, like we, we've push up our feed. Um, oh gosh, probably six, seven times a day before and after milking. And then as they're being fed and, you know, uh, a few other times, because you want to keep encouraging your cows to eat, you want them to get up. And as they eat, sometimes they can sort out their food. Um, they kind of like stick their noses in it and you know, get, got the good get stuff. Visual. <laughs> yeah. So you want to keep pushing up their feed to encourage eating and then, you know, more eating equals more, um, milk, but these feed pushers, they kind of run along a track almost and they'll push up the feed automatically. I don't know how often people do it, but the more you push up the feed, the more the cows are going to get them to eat. So that's really cool. Um, and it's just one of those things that it's, it's a time consuming thing. And so that saves the farmer a little bit of time from, you know, getting in the skid loader, hooking up whatever attachment they use to push up feed and stuff. But, um, then just the technology with, uh, like the crops and stuff to be able to make better feed for the cows and, uh, utilize, um, different things to keep our soil healthy and, you know, all that kind of stuff. There's, it's just, it's really cool to see how it's grown. I think one of the things that people, I don't know, people almost don't think that farmers should get more technology advanced. I'm sure you can, you know, relate to that as well. And it's like everything else, it's like glorified, you know, it's Mm -hmm. like new technology is just like the coolest thing. But for some reason in the agriculture industry, it's looked down upon. And I, I, I don't understand that. I don't know if you have thoughts on that. Yeah. I mean, um, when, when was it last year when someone, some politician was making comments about like, you need to go to rural areas and teach the folks how to use a fax machine type of comments. Like they I think that was our vice like, president. Was it? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> uh, yeah. But I mean, I feel like people just think rural folks are just living in the 16th century or 17th century because we are still doing the same practices generally just and so we must be stuck in that time period um but i think i would almost say that egg is probably one of the most rapidly advancing industries just because of the consumer needs um with precision um egg 
being on the rise, I think like there's a lot of really cool thing, ha- cool things happening in the entire agriculture industry. So like there's, there's a lot of stuff going on that a lot of people don't realize too. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, that can be a topic for a different day. <laughs> right. <laughs> Those, okay. Those are all the questions. You did a great job. A plus plus. You did a great job answering all of those. Um, if you guys are listening and you have any more questions for us about this entire uh, process, if you want to hear more on like what happens to milk after it leaves the farm, let us know, because that's something like we obviously don't know much about. So maybe we can get Joey on here or someone, um, to yeah, talk or someone that, that works. Just- like, yeah, I mean, he's, he's in the cooler. So he's, he works with it after it's like bottled, you know, like before okay. it goes out, but you know, maybe someone works in a processing plant and deals directly with that. I'll have to ask yeah. him though. I don't, I don't know if he, yeah. he might know, but I mean, yeah, if one of I, you guys are listening, to it. yeah. If one of you guys that are listening does that, let us know. Um, we'd love to talk to you. But yeah, if you have any questions, feel free to send us a message. Um, we'll, we'd love to talk about it more. Um, otherwise, if you want to, you can leave us a voicemail as well. If you want to head on over to speakpipe.com slash forward farming podcast, you can record up to like a minute long uh, little voice recording for us that we can play on next week's episode. And then we can talk about it there as well. Um, but Becca, you did a outstanding job covering everything. I definitely, I honestly, I learned a lot from this episode. I thought I knew a little bit, but this just took me up just, just another little notch. So good job. Are you okay? Before we wrap things up, um, are you listening to any good podcasts other than our own? (laughs) Other than our own? No, I only listen to ours. Um, yeah, I, I listened to one this morning and I think everyone needs to go listen to it. Um, so it's from the gold digger podcast, Jenna Kutcher. Um, the, the episode just came out today, which we're recording Monday. Uh, so if you're listening to this, when the podcast comes out tomorrow, it's like her latest one, but it's called don't quit harness the power of one more with Ed Milet. Um, oh my gosh. So he was on, cause he's got a book coming out. Um, so I, I'm sure it was to promote his new book, but one, I want to read the book. Two, holy sh! Go listen to it. I, I don't want to give too much away from it, but there was so many moments that I'm just like, yes, like, oh my gosh, mm. yeah. So, that's my podcast recommendation for the week. Do you have one? I have been trying to uh, deal with like my hormones. In this is gonna make me sound like a hippie in like in a natural, organic way because I'm. I don't know. I'm nervous to go on like hormone, like anything that'll change my hormones because they're, I, I haven't had good luck with that in the past. So I'm trying to do it like through gut health and, uh, eating like cleaner and all that other fun stuff. So I've been doing more research on that. And I started listening to the blonde files podcast and she has on, um, the one that I listened to that like kind of made things click for me. Um, was from April 25th. It was probiotics and the gut. Um, so basically just talking about like how your gut, um, and like all of your bacteria is connected to your hormones and how your hormones kind of drive like your entire body and how everything you eat and consume everything, every product that you are using, um, is affecting your hormones and in one way or another. So it's talking about like how probiotics can just like clean everything up and kind of give you like a fresh start, um, and hopefully restart your hormones and all this other stuff. So cool. Yeah. What was that called again? Uh, it's called the blonde files podcast. And she has on a lot of like doctors and researchers, um, and talking about like a lot of different things like this too. So I'm going to listen to one about lymphatic drainage. So like if you're on TikTok, (laughs) that sounds terrible. it's like all the, the, the stuff in your face that like can cause inflammation or stuff. You can like do massages to kind of like push that fluid out. Of- Is that like what those rollers are for? Yeah. Like with like oh, the okay. jade rollers, like the, the geisha or whatever, like the, the stone things that you can drag on your face. I don't know. I'm interested to hear this too, but it's a good one. If you're on kind of like a, a health healing journey or whatever. <laughs> so I really need to, I have probiotics. Um, I like started taking, um, 
I think when I had mastitis maybe because mm-hmm. like I know that they're good and so I've got like two bottles sitting around I should probably start taking those again <laughs> yeah and and this was explaining like the difference between like reg- just like regular probiotics you can get and like the kind that she- I know I don't know if it was like a gimmick but she was talking about like the probiotics she makes and how they're different than from like a lot of ones that you can get just like off the yeah. shelf um so that was interesting to hear like her take of of things so yeah I mean it's it's interesting stuff if you're interested in like the health or like like mental health side of things so that's that's what I've been listening to yeah awesome well make sure you guys check those out yes um yeah and we'll we can try to link those in our show notes too if you guys are interested but listen to that after our podcast because you know don't click out of us (laughs) me crummy (laughs) Um, that's that's how we save this for the end yeah, then you're not like, oh man, I gotta get out of here. Um, okay, so before you guys like leave and go listen to cooler podcasts, um, if you're not following us yet on Facebook or Instagram, we're at uh, Forward Farming Podcast, and then you can follow our personal pages at Cranberry Chats and at Becca Hilby. You can find us on YouTube. You can listen. Well, okay, if you're listening to us, you're clearly on your favorite podcast listening device. Um, yeah, go follow us. Leave us a voicemail. Let us let us know uh, how yeah. you enjoy us. Yep. <laughs> yep. Cool. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks for listening. And I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. And we'll catch you later. Bye.